Good morning, church family, and welcome. It is such a joy to be with you. If you have a Bible handy or a Bible app, go ahead and join me in James chapter 3. It's crazy to believe we're already in our fourth week of studying the book of James, and I really, I love this book. I love the practical wisdom that is offered us each time we open it, and so I'm so looking forward to exploring it with you today. If you have stumbled on our page because one of your Facebook friends has shared it or by some other means, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, let me welcome you. We take this time to look through the Bible, which is what we believe. Uh, we believe it's the Word of God, and so we want to study it and we want to know it well, and so that's what we're doing here in the book of James, and the topic that James is going to be teaching us today is that there is great power in our words. And, uh, and you may not feel like you have great power, but you actually do. So let's read together. We're going to start uh, by reading verses 1 through 12, and then we are going to jump to 13 through 18 a little bit later on. So uh, join me. Let's read this together. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guarded by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire! And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the imagery in it that it allows us to have visual pictures of what you want to teach us. Help us, Father, to navigate through these things so that we may understand you better. Um, Father, I am not adequate to teach this word uh, to your people, um, but I pray that you would speak through me and open our hearts so that we would know more about you and what you desire from our lives. I thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, I, I myself am a very uh, nostalgic person. That's just who I am. I, I love to look through old photo albums. I love to, um, to escape in my mind sometimes to old memories of, of great days and seasons gone by. Uh, maybe many of you are like that as well. We as humans, we, we love good memories. We love making 
good memories. And one of my favorite memories from when I was a kid was when I would wake up on Saturday mornings, I would pour myself a bowl of Captain Crunch, the finest cereal known to man, and I would plop down in front of the TV and watch Saturday morning cartoons, usually something involving Mickey Mouse or superheroes when I got a little bit older. And, uh, and as I've, I've grown, I look back on those simpler times and I miss them. Uh, some of you may know that I'm a new father, and so my, my looking back on my memories is subtly beginning to transition to excitement, to experiencing some of these things with my daughter. So much so that even though she is only seven weeks old, I will pick her up out of her bassinet while she is sleeping, and I will make myself cereal, and I will put on cartoons, and she is sleeping, and she's not getting any of it, but I'm sitting there watching it with her because I want to experience that with her because I'm a nostalgic person. And uh, if you are like me and you've enjoyed Saturday morning cartoons, you will probably remember uh, from some Looney Tunes or Disney cartoons that, that there's this motif where the main character may find themselves in a difficult decision and out of nowhere will appear on either shoulder an angelic-looking creature on one side and a small demon-looking creature on the other. And the angelic creature will give good advice in a very peaceful way, and the demonic creature will you know, give some sinister advice that, that may seem enticing in the moment, but we as the audience know that it is the wrong choice. Our message from James today is all about voice. We have voices that are pulling us in different directions throughout our lives. On the one hand, we have God's voice, which is always right and true. It can be found in his word or through the spiritual presence in our lives. And on the other hand, we have the voice of the devil, our enemy, who desires for us to go down the wrong path, who desires for us to go the way of destruction. And what's amazing is that these voices did not begin with us. We see from the Bible that these two voices have been playing tug-of-war throughout all of human history. You have God in Genesis chapter 1 who says, let there be light and there is light. And you have the devil in Genesis chapter 3 who says, did God really say? And so on and so forth. And these two voices are battling for your voice. We have a God who loves us and desires us to speak truth and encouragement to other people, and we have an enemy who desires for us to speak words that will inevitably hurt us or others. And so James initially deals with our own voice here in, in rather verses 1 and 2 when he says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Have you ever said something that as soon as you said it, as soon as it left your mouth, you regretted it? Or maybe you've said something and you looked back on it later and you realized that that was a really, really unfortunate thing to say, a really poor decision. Either you said something embarrassing or awkward or... You said something that you knew would truly hurt the person to which you were speaking. And see, for many of us, we have control over our actions, our bodies, 
There are some days that are easier than others. Some days we make mistakes, we eat too much, we consume things that we shouldn't consume or think or do things that we shouldn't do. But what this text is telling us is that one thing that none of us can perfectly control is our tongue. So the first thing he says is, hey, just because you know some stuff doesn't mean that you should open your big mouth and teach it. Because those, especially those who speak and teach God's word, will be held to greater accountability because it is really important that God's word is spoken truthfully, correctly. Sometimes I think of of some of these uh, pastors who claim to be Bible teachers who really the only reason they do what they do is for their personal gain or to put more cash in their pockets. The scripture says that those people will be judged harshly. And so we need to think about what we say, especially when we speak from God's word. But this really matters for all of us because James says that if you can be a person who perfects your tongue and the things you say, you can be a perfect person. Now, the truth is, is that there has been only one perfect person who has walked this earth, and he isn't you, and he isn't me. But the point is, is that we should endeavor in our lives to take control of the words that we say. As people who represent Jesus Christ, we ought to desire to be people who live wisely with our words. So I think there are three things that James wants us to take away from chapter 3. First is this, with great power comes great responsibility. You've probably heard that phrase before. Look at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guarded by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. See, when I say great power, when the text says the tongue boasts of great things, you may not think that you are a person with much power. You may not think that you are a person of influence, either in the actual physical world or we see influencers on social media. You may not feel that you have power or influence, but because God has given all of us the ability to speak in one way or another. I'm not saying that everyone is capable of of speaking, but, but in one way or another, we are capable of getting our voice out there. Because God has given us that ability, we do have a great power. Proverbs 18.21 says this, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. See, with your words, you are able to encourage someone who may be at the end of their rope or in one moment lacking control, you could completely tear them apart with a discouraging comment. We've heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I don't buy that. The way that you speak to your spouse or your children or to a friend, or to your parent, could make a massive difference in their lives, either positively 
or unfortunately is all too common, negatively. I love these analogies that James uses when he talks about the tongue. He says that the tiny bit in the mouth of a horse can make it go one direction or another. If you've ever ridden a horse, you realize that you are feeling a mix of, of great excitement and accomplishment, but also a, a small amount of fear that this creature that is much bigger than you and much stronger than you and much faster than you can toss you off in a heartbeat. But you also know that with a bit placed in the horse's mouth, the horse is under your control. Or if any of you have been on a cruise ship, I think of these massive cruise ships with hundreds and hundreds of rooms and restaurants and roller coasters and full-size movie theaters and, and everything else you can imagine. That huge ship is controlled by a small rudder and it goes right or left. This is the example of the power of, of the tongue. With it, we, we can do big things. We can, we can send our lives in one direction or another, or we can encourage or discourage a person, as I've said before. There is a lot of power in a very small part of our body, in the tongue. But the tongue, when used improperly, can also be a dangerous weapon. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, the text says. I am the son of a firefighter, and uh, I spent much of uh, my childhood uh, either learning about large house fires or uh, constantly being lectured on, on what to do uh, if our house was on fire. And I'm great, I say lectures, but I'm thankful for them. I definitely want to know what to do in that scenario. And because I, I grew up in that environment, I could look at a room and tell you about how quickly it would go up if a small flame got out of control. Think about your words. In one moment of anger, in one moment of passion, you could say something that could set fire to your marriage, to a lifelong friendship. The tongue can be an extremely dangerous weapon. Use it responsibly. With great power comes great responsibility. By giving us the ability to speak, God has given us this great power. And as representatives of Jesus, we need to be responsible for it for the sake of our friends and our families and anyone else we come in contact with. Next thing we need to learn is this. Number two, we need to get off the fence when it comes to our speech. Let's look back at the text. I am going to uh, start here at verse 9. Still talking about the tongue. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, James says, and the Greek word here actually can be used to say my brothers or my brothers and sisters. This is a message for everyone. My brothers, it says, these things ought not to be so. And so it's human habit. It's bound to happen. We're going to say things that, that we regret that we ought not say. But what James is telling us is that from the same mouth that blesses the Lord, it shouldn't be that that same mouth can curse someone else. 
It shouldn't be that we read a powerful scripture at life group and expound it and talk about its life-changing abilities, and yet on the way home we are verbally sparring or abusing our spouse, our kids, our friends. It shouldn't be the case that while we sit here, Lord willing, soon we will sit in this building again, that while we sit here and sing praise and worship to our God and King, that we go home and we blast someone on social media that doesn't agree with us. Young ladies, it shouldn't be true that you post a really inspirational quote on Instagram and then the next moment ruin a friend's reputation in gossip. And young men, you shouldn't uh, tell a young lady everything she wants to hear so that she thinks that you are her godly knight in shining armor while telling your friends that, that you know in your heart it's just not going to work out. See, what this scripture is telling us is that we cannot be people who sit on the fence with our speech. It ought not to be that way. The type of people we ought to be are the people who either speak truth or don't. And as Christians, our responsibility is to be on the right side of that fence, to be the people who speak blessing, who speak encouragement. It's really wrong to be two-faced in what we say. And so we need to decide, am I going to be a person who blesses others in my speech or a person who curses others in my speech? We really shouldn't be both, James says. We will stumble. We won't always make the right decisions in our speech, but... We cannot make a habit of being a person who does both. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is your heart full of? Truth, grace, encouragement? Or poison, quite simply. It is so underrated to be kind in our speech. And we are living in a time where we really need it more than ever. So let us be challenged and encouraged to speak truthfully and encouragingly in all we do. Finally, number three, James, I believe, wants us to exchange our words for wisdom. We'll land on verse 13 and go through the end of the chapter now. Verse 13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Do you remember what Clay taught us two weeks ago. James 1.19 says this, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. This is a person who, as it says in chapter 3, sows wisdom. James tells us that the wise person will find peace. 
And it isn't hard to see. When we refrain from unwise words, we foster peace. We need to be people who, when we're out of control when it comes to our speech, we need to pursue wisdom. Proverbs 3.13 says this, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. The wise person does not blurt out whatever comes to mind, but is always contemplating their words. And therefore, the wise person is slow to speak. My prayer for us is that we will be people who are slow to speak. It's, it's simple. It's logical. Yet, why is it so difficult? We are creatures who constantly stick our feet in our mouths. All it takes to produce peace is to speak in a God-honoring way. Why is it so difficult? Well, I would love to say that the Christian life will eventually lead you to being a wise old owl who is always at peace with everyone, who always seems to have composure and who always says the right thing. But becoming a Christian doesn't mean that we always do or say the right thing. We can recognize and be Uh, aware of the importance of our words, but whether it's today or your dying day, there will be things that you say in your life that you will wish that you hadn't. And that's because I spoke earlier of how we are pulled in two different directions. We have two voices that we can listen to, the voice of God and the voice of Satan. And this has been, like I said before, the battle for every human who has walked the earth. And there are going to be days when you feel pulled in the wrong direction, where the things you say are not God-honoring, where you feel that the temptation to sin is too great. But I want you to think about this verse, and this is a difficult verse to hear. But this is again in Matthew chapter 12. It says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified And by your words, you will be condemned. The good news is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, then when the time comes for you to give an account for every word you have spoken, you and your words have been covered because when Jesus died for our sins, he died for our sinful words. We know that on our own, our voices cannot be trusted, but God's voice can always, without fail, be trusted, and it will be God's voice that says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, when you arrive in his kingdom. We are a church because we want the world to know this hope. We want the whole world to hear those words when they enter into God's kingdom. We want the world to know peace. We want you to know that God can have the final voice in your life as well. So my message to you today, if you are a believer, is that you are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And James reminds us that we have a responsibility to honor the Lord and encourage the church with our words. The responsibility to choose to speak life and choose not to speak poison. But if you are not a believer in Jesus, if you don't believe that he died for your sins... If you don't believe that he desires a relationship with you, you aren't just missing out on an opportunity to represent him in this world and encourage others in your speech and encourage others through his word. You're missing out on being saved from your sins. 
the sins that lead to eternal separation from God. And we don't want that. And people don't like hearing that, but I don't want that for you either. I want you to have what what Scripture promises to be life abundant. I want you to have this church family that you can grow with and have people to encourage you and walk with you in life. I want you to have the assurance that you will one day spend eternity with God where your actions and your words have been covered by Jesus and what he has done for all of us. And our desire as a church for everyone who is watching that is not a believer in Jesus is that you would know God and be a part of God's family. So uh, I'm going to pray for us, and uh, in a moment you are going to have the opportunity to let someone know that you want to know more about knowing Jesus. You want to know more about being a part of God's family. You want to know more about turning your life around and being a believer, as I've described, being a person who has the responsibility to speak life and encouragement. And my prayer for you is that you would do that today. Let me pray for us. Father, I I don't know and and maybe never will know everyone who has heard this word from you today, but I I pray that, that we would all be changed by it, not because I spoke it, but because you spoke it in your word. I pray that as believers, we would turn from speaking poison to always choosing to speak life. And Father, if there's anyone out there that doesn't know you, I pray that you would open their hearts to you now and that they might know you and that they might know that they can be with you forever, that they will have you to speak to them, speak truth to them so that their voice is similar to your voice, Father. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. We are desperate for it. Feed us with it each day. I ask, Father, that you will be with us and that you will speak to us and that your voice is the one we would choose to listen to for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.